Ladies and gentlemen, citizens of the universe, fantasy footballers, Dynasty League dirtballs, NFL draft fans, and DFS degenerates worldwide, this is the Roster Watch Podcast, presented by RosterWatch.com. Roster Watch Nation, prepare for pop, flash, and sizzle. Prepare for knowledge bombs and cockamamie business. The Roster Watch crew is here to deliver the goods you can't find anywhere else. Here is your host, RosterWatch.com Editor-in-Chief, Alex Dunlap. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the epic Roster Watch Podcast, episode 16, uh, coming here live at you with Alex Dunlap and Byron Lambert. Before we get started, we hit you with it early and often. Go to iTunes. Give us a five-star review in iTunes. Uh, give us a good rating. Give us a good review. Let us know you want us to keep on doing the podcast. There's a ton to get to today. NFL news and notes, a couple of uh, NFL prospect takes that Byron and I each have, some dynasty football talk, some MFL 10 football talk. Byron, how do we even start? Well, it looks like Mike Mayock has updated his positional rankings as far as the NFL draft is concerned. And I myself have updated my running back rankings um, internally here at Roster Watch for this upcoming uh, class of rookie running backs that's due to be selected just in a, here in a few weeks from, the, I believe the draft is in Philadelphia this year. I also just found out that I'll be adding the Seahawks training camp to uh, the rotation this summer for the Roster Watch training camp tour what is that about well we've had a good friend who's accepted a job with amazon in seattle and this means that i'll have a good a place friend to of say. the a good friend of the female variety no a good a good friend of your fraternity variety oh really yeah absolutely Fantastic. so i'll be going up there this summer for sure i've already discussed that so i know i know you have i, I know you have some kind of relationships with uh, some of the washington females None of the ones that you want me to run around with. <laughs> Probably not. Um, yeah, so we know we'll be at Broncos camp. We know we'll be at Seahawks camp for sure this summer. Um, but why don't we just dive into a little bit of news and notes? Broncos and Seahawks. Well, hey, that's nice. Yeah, you get to hope to go hang out with the Cecil Lammy for a couple days at Broncos camp and that nice sunshine, that altitude. I'll get, I mean, you're not too excited about – I was there last year. I don't get super pumped about going to watch another year of Trevor Simeon, arm kind Paxton of Lynch, C.J. Anderson, right. and, and, and Devontae Booker. But I think the interesting thing will be to see how far Paxton Lynch has come, if any. Well, it's going to be very important to – like we honestly, that's one that we need to go to because people – Aren't you know? Sometimes where things are overlooked and there's uncertainty, you can find value there. And, and if we go there and it turns out it looks like you know Demarius Thomas could be even eighty five percent of what he was in say twenty fifteen, you know, with with a with a Peyton Manning and not you know if, Emmanuel Sanders. If those if it looks like those guys are poised for steps back to their previous roles, it was it sure would be good to know because they can be had on the cheap right now. And they'll be, and especially coming into redraft next year. You don't want Trevor Simeon and Paxton Lynch. I this can't sucks. believe how much John Elway talks up Trevor Simeon. I guess I'm not sure he has another option, but he is not the solution. And for them to even pretend that he is, it feels like they're wasting time. Does it you feel, give him a pass, though. Does, He's been a great GM. Does it feel more reasonable to consider Trevor Simeon the solution in Denver or to consider Cody Kessler the solution in Cleveland? <laughs> 
you know, Kessler looked pretty good. You got to <laughs> give him that. <laughs> he did. And if, and if you listen to the man, most maniacal Cleveland truthers, they'll tell you that they'll tell you that some of Cody uh, Kessler's advanced statistics from from his rookie season were better than a you know better than a Carson Wentz. Well, this brings up some news and notes from the season of smoke screens. Uh, the Browns floating the possibility that they can take Mitch Trubisky at number one and opt to pass on Miles Garrett sounds absolutely ludicrous and cockamamie, but it certainly wouldn't be Cleveland if those weren't the adjectives that we were using here. <laughs> Which is generally more about the media. And to be honest, uh, you know, Cleveland under Sashi and with the new kind of analytics regime, I don't think that I think that we might be like projecting. Cleveland's past clown shoes like onto its current regime, you know, and I, and I just I don't it's it, something like that by the, you know, Cleveland as it used to be, I would see it say it's completely cockamamie and stupid. With this group, I think a little bit deeper about it. And when you think a little bit deeper about it, what does it mean that they're leaking this information? That they're um, leaking the information oh. that Fournette's in play. They're leaking the information that Trubisky. Yeah, they're looking to see what kind of potential, if there's any trade value they can stir up here, just to have circle back and have one last examination of that aspect of of, of this proposition, just to complete their their due diligence before what I believe they're going to do is select Miles Garrett right off the board as they should. This tells me Mitch Trubisky certainly in play at twelve. Look, we like Mitch Trubisky. I think he's a good quarterback yeah. prospect. I think he'd be a good fit in Cleveland. I think he's certainly in play there at twelve for them. It's shaping up to look like a I think a quarterback run there around twelve because right after them you have Arizona who, I mean, I just think that that's going to be a Patrick Mahomes. So I think it could be some kind of little run there. I also think that this shows, though, that Cleveland, you know, getting back to Miles Garrett and pick one, I think that this shows a little bit that Cleveland is starting to want to trade down. They should, they should want to. Doesn't it seem like they're giving out the signal that, like, if you want Miles Garrett, you can trade up to one to get him? We're obviously open to looking at other people. We're leaking this information out that it could be a Trubisky. It could well, be a Well, it's a good point. I was talking to Mike Loiko, our good friend, last night on the phone. We had a lengthy NFL draft discussion. <laughs> But it's it sure is fun. I really enjoy those. Really enjoy those. We need ones. to get Loiko on the pod. Definitely. We we figured out how to get a guest on here. Let's get Loiko on the pod. We'll do it. To bring maniacal information and 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 Patriots spin to roster watch nation. So, uh we also think the Tennessee Titans are another prime candidate to trade back with one of those first round picks and parlay into additional draft equity. Don't know if it'll be number five or 16, I think, are the two that they have. I'd have to go back and double check. Uh, but I think the Titans are certainly going to be in play for a trade back there, as you mentioned, as the Browns are. And who those were the, those were two teams that were – that was their their style last year, too. No, yeah. Yeah. It's, clear, it's clearly been the style of the, of the Browns. To accumulate picks, they made the cockamamie Brock Osweiler thing just to to accumulate picks. My question though is this: like, my question is this: do, do you think they might be getting spooked, like legitimately spooked on Miles Garrett based on the way he's the kind of the way he's been acting and some of the things he said in the media recently? Like, I haven't talked to you about any of this stuff. Like, are you aware of what happened where he wouldn't he wouldn't have the interview with Booger McFarlane? Because he'd been critical about him in his SEC radio broadcast. He wouldn't go on Mike and Mike because Booger McFarlane was there in the studios. He also had another interview. Was it because McFarlane was there or was it because McFarlane was like hosting and the other guys were out? I don't know. I don't know. I just know that Booger McFarlane was in the Mike and Mike studio. He wouldn't go do the inter he wouldn't do the interview. 
Um, the other, the, a, cu- a couple of other things. One of them was that um, he said in an interview something about how he had a bunch of other interests in life and he wasn't going to be in the NFL for, for long. I mean, you do get the fact and that, that, he, and that... And that he's going to... Uh, and that he really loves poetry and he like all this other stuff. And then he also said this stuff about how he's one of the... Like, I forget... I, it's paraphrased, but something about how he's one of the smartest players... You know, and he's going to be one of the smartest players in the NFL when he comes in and stuff. I just, it makes me feel like it makes me feel like, hey, I remember that a, a scout even told us this about um, who was it? Was Kim it Kim Uh Well, no, there was an interesting thing about Kim Diche, but it was a thing about like having the other interests and worried about the uh, I forget the the fullback, and he was at the Senior Bowl. It was like not a Dan Vitale, but one of those guys, Tyler Varga, maybe who went to go play for the Colts. The, the concern with him was that he was a pre-med student and like a neuromedicine student and that I think his dad was a surgeon. His ultimate goal apparently was to be a surgeon. And you just worry about guys like that, that they don't have to stay in the game and play football for too long. It's just, it's, it's a little bit of a mark against them. I think with my, I think it's just shows that Miles Garrett's being stupid. Him saying that football's not my number one priority. I don't plan on doing this forever. I have other interests in my life. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you take you, you take that, you just... I don't know. I be. It I, seems know. like bad advice from his agent. And I will tell you. I mean, we've been around Miles Garrett in a few settings this offseason. Who doesn't show up for an interview? Who doesn't show up for an interview? Because just because Booger McFarlane was critical of you, I, I didn't read enough of that article. I thought that maybe McFarlane was replacing the normal host to host that show, and so he didn't want to do something with some B team when he thought he was scheduled to go on Mike and Mike. But sounds like I'm wrong. Sounds like McFarlane was just a third wheel or. Something on that broadcast. Well, no, in, but even if he didn't want to do it, even if it was, well, for one, even if it, he, he didn't want to do it because it's a B team, that's still bullshit. And then for two, I don't, I, I mean, dude, this got this is a long process. These guys are tired. I get it. You want to show up for your obligations. He's been the number one target of the number one pick in the draft. He's sick of all this bullshit. Well, here's the deal. When you listen to Miles Garrett talk, he's he's got like an enigmatic personality to some extent. And I've noticed that since the beginning. And we've been around him in a few settings this offseason. And that's always that strange bird kind of thing is always a little worrisome to be to really excel in the NFL, man. You gotta love it and you gotta breathe it and eat it and be a dog. And that all sounds very, very cliche, but that is a grind, and there's no other way to do it than uh than to be that way really so i mean i i get i guess it's a concern but what do we say this is always an imperfect science oh the nfl draft you never have complete information on anybody and you're worried about something with all these guys you're worried about tons of things with all these guys yeah Yeah, especially with the number one pick i mean mean, think about Clowney. Clowney was a personality you were 100 percent worried about 100% 100% worried about. Maybe not in the same way. I feel like Garrett is maybe more Kim Dicheish, you know, a little more kind of what they were saying about Malachi Dupree at LSU. You know. What did they say about wh- Malachi Dupree at LSU? Oh, strange bird. Strange bird. Not your typical football breed, personality-wise, anything. Man, I had him on the Sirius XM show. And he seemed like a great kid. I like no, him. No, they say he's a great kid. People love him. Not your typical, not the typical persona, mentality, behavior, personality, everything associated with what you expect from your from your football players. So the, even Malachi Dupree, they, the locals, the local insiders that have concerns. Is this guy a dog enough? 
does he love football enough to really excel at the next level? So this is a question with a bunch of these guys. It's a fair question. Um, but boy, it sure does seem hard to pass on Miles Garrett. Maybe to me that if that's the case, that would that would be further proof. Not that the Browns want to take somebody else there that they think is safer, that they just want to trade out of it, period. I just think that they, yeah, I think that, yeah, I don't know. I think that maybe, I don't know. It's It seems like it seems like if they really loved somebody right there at the very top, they, they, these reports wouldn't keep coming out. I mean, I know it is Cleveland. I mean, and, maybe, and but why not just see, circuit. just in case, you've got to find out if there might, in the off chance, be an offer that could blow your socks off. You got to try to manufacture that. Even if your mind's pretty much made up. Right. Right? I guess. And I guess there's a little bit of reason here for your mind not to be completely made up. I just think, yeah, and as, as it gets closer and closer, you, as it gets closer and closer, I don't know. Do your feet get colder and colder? For, like for me, it it's would be— It's a big commitment. It, it, and it would it's be— a big commitment. Jobs are on the line here. And, the, and in this year's draft, it's just hard. It's hard. We're going to talk about those rankings in a little while. There's guys you're forced to rank as your number seven and eight running back that you think are really good players, but it just looks like you hate them because you have them at seven and eight. It's a tough conundrum. We'll sort all that out uh, here in a little bit on the podcast. Uh, Alex and I left Indianapolis with a different, slightly different take and interpretation on this particular subject. And I'm wondering if this is fake news or if this is possibly something coming home Something coming home to roost? For me personally. Oh. And this is the second or sec, at least second A report. A personal homecoming to roost. This is the second <laughs> report of this ilk that we've seen this last week. Um, Tony Pauline. We won't even get too much into our feelings about Tony Pauline on this podcast. <laughs> what is it coming home to roost? But he is reporting that the 49ers are ready to give up on Carlos Hyde due to his injury struggles. Now, what did I tell you when we had the podcast from the Combine? That we had different takeaways from the press conferences with John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. Does this mean we're going to need to move him down in the MFL 10 cheat sheet? Is that we, the, we don't is that we can't, probably don't want to be crazy above too too far above ADP until Whoa. we see what happens in the draft. Well, what so what is Pauline saying? Well, Pauline's just saying he's missed too many games and that they're not entirely sure that he's not entirely sure that Kyle Shanahan believes that it is the perfect marriage of skill set to the zone scheme and also might be underselling his abilities as a pass catcher, which is a real sticking point in that offense for the running back position. You got to be able to catch footballs under Kyle Shanahan. So we think Hyde can do it, but that's so this is a notion that's out there and this is the second time. That something's like this has come up, I believe, in recent days uh, regarding Hyde. Something about the 49ers potentially drafting a running back was being floated around there. So they want to get rid of him? I don't think they'd get rid of him on a rookie contract. Kyle Shanahan, uh, let's see here. Oh, well, I mean, April 11th, Carlos Hyde's still not quite back to full health. You know, he had a torn MCL in week 16. He can cut, just not all the way that he likes to. He's making improvement, so he says. That's the kind of deal where he's going to be back at least by fall camp. Yep. 
So he's on. The fact is, is, they're feeling like this is the last season he's on contract, though, and, and they feel like they have to draft a running back. It's a contract year. They've got a running back who can't participate full participation in OTAs. This is his last year of. Yeah. This is his last year on his rookie contract, and this is a contract year for him. You know, they're not going to get rid of him. They're he could keep still him. be a buy low, and he could. And he could so yeah, let's hope his ADP continues to fall. With we, this yeah, news. we want his ADP to continue to fall, and, and, and we're going to drop. We're going to drop him in ours. We're going to have an oh, update well. to the MFL yeah. ten sheet sheet probably today, which you can find at rosterwatch.com. You can get a pro membership at rosterwatch.com. It costs less than a cheap cup of coffee. If you like us, you like the work we do, you want to support our maniacal effort to help you win in all of your leagues, dynasty leagues, redraft leagues, DFS contest for. NFL purposes, please go get a pro membership at rosterwatch.com. You will never be a fantasy loser again when you put myself, Alex Dunlap, Byron Lambert in your corner, along with the disgusting trash man, along with Mike Band, along with the likes of the Mike Loikos of the world. So uh, we're there for you. We, we, we got your back. Get ours. Go to rosterwatch.com. Get a pro membership. Kirk Cousins still playing hardball with the Washington Redskins. He says the ball's in their court. He's waiting for his monster he's offer. He's playing presidential. He doesn't care. He's going to make $25 million. He's about, what's he about to make? $40-$50 million in the last two years? What's the And, and what's the worst? He thing? doesn't even care. And what's he's the on worst a free that can happen? Really? And he's just putting the screws. He's twisting their pot, their peanuts so hard right now. I'd be twisting them too. And here's the thing is that, you know, now, again, the Redskins have been floated to be interested at Trubisky at what, what are they, 18, something like that in the draft. There's just starting to be too much smoke for there not to be a Mitch Trubisky fire. And I'm with Alex. Once one of these guys goes, the run starts. The fact is there's 15 teams who need quarterbacks. That makes it impossible to be a Bucky Brooks where you're going to say that no quarterback's going to go until the second round. So, so, so stupid. It's like I always say, like, I think I've said it on this podcast before, but I mean... Every year we say it. It's like there's not a quarterback who that who you really have a first round grade on, or very few of you have first round grade on grades on. They're all guys you'd optimally like to take in round two, maybe at the beginning of round two, and then every year they all get taken super early, and we all say, "Whoa, you know, we never saw that coming." And then we think to ourselves, "Why didn't we see it coming?" It's so stupid. These people draft quarterbacks early, and then by the time it comes back around next year, we forget again. It's, it's what you do. It's, it's it's what happens. Quarterbacks get drafted early. Yeah, no. It, Teams like the it Bills, it's like trade up for EJ Manuel. Like these things happen, and like you, you know, you don't you don't necessarily always expect it, but they always happen. Well, I mean, if these things are you know a, a you know a coin flip, anyways, you got to take a ch- you can't win without a quarterback. It's a chance you really you're forced into to taking. Um, here's a good one. NFL Network, Aditi Kikabala. Um, she reports that Big Ben is lobbying the front office and the coaching staff to take a tight end at number 30. I mean, this sure does seem like a smokescreen. When do you ever hear this kind of transparent, explicit honesty? But look, Ladarius Green was a disaster last year. Jesse James is a slug. Why does Ben and want a tight end so bad? there's going to be some good tight ends. Now, to does me... Does he want a blocking tight end, or does he want a receiving tight end? Why does he want a tight end? It's hard for us to even know what that means without the context. Well, if you... 
if Does you go back to what Bruce Arians has told us time and time again, what he wants is Heath Miller. Heath Miller. So who's the Heath Miller in this thing? Maybe your boy, Kittle. George Kittle. Yeah. It's not an Njoku. He's sneaky. It's not a. Uh, it's not a. O- it's not. Well, you're not going to get OJ, OJ Howard, Howard that late. He's not going to be there. It's not an Evan Ingram. His it's, main no, question is not is an about Evan blocking. Ingram. No. Yeah. Can you leave Jesse James in there as your blocker and just get another guy who can catch the football? There's not a whole lot of Heath Millers and Jason Wittens in this world. They don't grow on trees. <laughs> no, they don't. It, it would be nice to get one. You give up. You 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 give up the you give up the Steelers first round pick for one of those guys. If you right? knew you were getting Heath Miller, yeah, they a, would. A young version of yeah, one, yeah, they would for oh, sure. Be, or a Jason Witten, hundred percent. You'd be crazy not to. Yeah. So if you look at, let's just see. Like, um, I want to look at our 2017 NFL draft big board projections and just see where our analytics kind of ha- what we have right now. It's a maniacal tool that's about to go up pretty soon. It's the big board tool that Mike Band has worked with us on, along with the interest tracker. So we've tracked all the interest, all the visits, all of the workouts, and assigned different grades to each level of interest. Be it just being at a pro day gets like a point. Um, you know, being in a, uh, you know, having a combine interviewing with them gets like two points, having a private workout gets four points, all the rest. So it's a, it's a maniacal formula we have put together to gauge interest. It's going to help us with figuring out who's looking at who, but I just want to look here and see on our, if we even have Kittle. Yeah. So like, basically we don't have Kittle as a guy who is not likely to go in the top 100 based on everything that we know. So he'd be a guy who you could probably take a little bit later and get, and get, and get value on. But I think when you look at it, I think with the blend of uh, blocking size and the ability to catch the football, I think a guy like that makes a lot of sense because, you know, being such a good athlete, but being known as a guy who can block. Well, but my question is with this tight end group being overall considered just a highly athletic it, one. It's a good year to get one. It's a good year to get one, but you may not be left with the too many choices other than just getting like a pass-catching tight end for the most part. Who knows? Some of these guys at the Senior Bowl look like they could block. Those were all later-round guys, yeah, but they're all pretty block. good. Not Ingram, but the other one sure did. Oh, How many times did we hands, say some of these guys Michael look like Roberts. they could be a Jermaine Gresham or something out there right. with the way they could block? Boy, man, his hands, Michael Roberts, it's like pizza pie tins. So to me, this strikes me that if a dynamic pass-catching tight end falls to Pittsburgh, they'll go for it. Otherwise, they're going to wait and try to get one of these guys who can block as well, I would say, a little bit later in the draft at value. Maybe a Kittle, 11 maybe and one of these senior bowlers. 11 bullets. and a half-inch hands on Michael Roberts yeah. from Toledo. Monsters. <laughs> Another bit of news that's come home to roost for Roster Watch Nation. We've told you and told you for, what, two or three years now? Oh, I can't believe people still argued with us that he was going to be the next Randy Moss or Calvin Johnson. Who? Doriel Green Beckham sucks. Is very clearly on the roster bubble in Philadelphia. It's being reported it's going to take major strides and leaps for him to even sniff the roster this this year. He, the guy, he's no good. Coming home to roost. I mean, it started out with the combine scorecard. You can't do that bad in our on-field testing on the combine scorecard that we have for our pro members, where we chart every single rep, you know, that these guys run in Indy Live from there in Lucas Oil. One of the probably, I mean, Byron and I are probably one of the only what three or four people in the world to get to be in there live uh, for both sessions every year. Yep, I'd say maybe three of us. 
four of us. Yeah, there's not too many. John Clayton tries to stay for both of them. Yeah, and I'm, not many people go for two. Go for two. I mean, it's a long, it's a long session. It's a long day. But at the end of a long week. At the end of a long week. But yeah, but, so we've been in there for all these. And Doriel Green Beckham might have been the worst we've ever seen. I haven't gone back and looked and seen what his actual number was. But I think that probably if we put all of them together, which would be a fun experiment at, at some point to put all of them together the last four years, I think Doriel Green Beckham might be the worst performance. He's just so sluggish in his adjustments and his movements and how he extends his arms and just all of that. It doesn't happen fast enough. It's no. not it's not explosive enough. It's it's the definition of the definition of lumbering. Yeah, he's lumbering. lumbering and he lets the for a guy who should never let the ball get in on his body, he lets that thing into his belly button. He's a guy who makes everything look hard. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> which is very, so which easy. is very frustrating to. He's a, got to all a, the physical traits very, that it should just be very so. frustrating to a fantasy owner, but even more frustrating to a to a position coach. Frustrating to a fantasy owner last year. A lot of roster watch nation, unfortunately, was losing Keenan Allen in week one because he was setting up. For we a ended monster. up we we ended up being just fine though because we told him go ahead and go ahead and big bid big on a Tyrell Williams. That was enough to at least kind of, I mean, at least kind of get, you know, get some of the water, you know, get some of the water from the sinking ship off of, off board. Tyrell Williams trying to provide his dynasty owners with the silver lining, saying that the return of Keenan Allen is going to open up things for all the receivers in the backs. However, then he speaks out the other side of his mouth and says that Allen will certainly be taking the, hot, the lion's share of the targets. And uh, but you know what, Tyrell Williams is a deep. Th- he can be he can be pr- a deep threat. He doesn't have to be a volume receiver. No, well, so yeah, I think he's, he's a guy that if we lose volume on, but defenses aren't able to focus on him, and he's still going to have that fifteen to twenty yard per catch ordeal. I think we have a chance at some bigger plays from Tyrell Williams. I, you know, it hurts him. We love him as maybe a wide receiver for this year that. You can put in if you have to at your wide receiver three or even two position if you're in a pinch. But, you know, if you told me right now Tyrell Williams was going to be my wide receiver three, you know, all season long, I don't think the Chargers are going to take a receiver in round one. That would be a surprise. No, the but if Chargers they don't, never... I certainly think that Tyrell Williams, it, you know, you can you can make it with him as your wide receiver three, especially in standard. Okay, so with this news, let me ask you this. Uh, Tyrell Williams is slotting on the MFL 10 cheat sheet, available to our pro members at rosterwatch.com. Do you like Tyrell Williams more than, or how about this, Tyrell Williams or John Ross? John Ross. Tyrell Williams or jordan matthews i mean it's close you're gonna at the end of the year tyrell williams is gonna have sneaky decent numbers yeah i like uh, tyrell williams or jordan matthews yes so let, let's go let's go tyrell williams tyrell williams or randall cobb Ugh. do we think that haven't we talked about this could be a sneaky there's this, well we're saying we were saying we're not even sure randall Randall Cobb may not be in he's, Green Bay well, much longer. I just, well, we just Devontae don't think he's part Adam, of any kind of long-term yeah, plans. Yeah, Devontae Adams point. in a contract year. Oh, boy, that one's close. Okay, man. so I'll I mean, I, that's th- close. I think he's pretty much right. All right, so would you rather have Tyrell Williams or Amir Abdullah? 
in a vacuum. It, yeah, it's it, it all does, really close. Okay, oh, it's all really close. Uh, just, just a few more. Uh, Tyrell Williams or Kenneth Dixon? Boy, I don't trust Kenneth Dixon. For it's anything. hard to trust him. Yeah, small hands. Yeah, I don't think the, Ravens, four the Ravens, game, Ravens four four game suspension to start the season. They got Woodhead in there. I I don't think they feel set at running back. I think we're going to see them take a running back in this draft. Harbaugh said at the combine that. Uh, Harbaugh said at the combine that he thought he had what it takes to be a real good one. I mean, here's the thing. I feel like it's a limited upside play with Tyrell Williams there, but I feel like you know what you're getting. Okay, so uh, off off of Tyrell Williams just real quick, and let's just get back to what we said earlier. You said you thought you took away something different about Carlos Hyde from the combine than I did. Yeah, we discussed it at length on, what was that, podcast six or something like that? Well, just can we go back over again? It's already podcast 16. Yeah, I mean – when I listen to when I listen to the nuance and all the responses that both John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan gave about Carlos Hyde, it to me it was slightly tap the brakes, tepid. We like the guy; he would think he can be a good fit, but it wasn't the it wasn't the ringing endorsement that I had kind of made in my mind that I was expecting. It was positive, but it wasn't ringing, and it left the door open for me to wonder if they weren't completely sold. Okay, so we definitely need to make an adjustment on Carlos Hyde now that this stuff's coming out. Ugh. Okay, do you like Carl... So you at this point, you want DeMarco Murray before Carlos Hyde, correct? Yes. Okay. At I this mean, DeMarco point, Murray should be higher on the sheet. It's just his ADP has been so low. Right, but I would think that at this point, it doesn't matter what the ADP is. Yeah, no, just Let's get just, him. You need to get him over there. Right. You get need the to, guys you want Because there. at this point, we're feeling like there could be... I mean, at this point, do we like Mark Ingram better yes. than Carlos Hyde? Yes, Mark Ingram, the insiders in New Orleans. Do we like Mark Ingram more than we did previously? Insiders in well, New Orleans. I, I think I've had this discussion with you. But like we talked about that, but look, just let's 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 stay on this. Mark Ingram or Sammy Watkins? Well, let me let me tell them why we're discussing this. Because insiders in New Orleans are predicting a Mark Ingram monster in the banking for this year. So Sammy Watkins or Mark Ingram? Mark Ingram. Brandon Cooks or Mark Ingram? Mark Ingram. Alshon or Mark Ingram? Mark Ingram. Keenan Allen or Mark Ingram? Mark Ingram. DeMarco Murray or Mark Ingram? Murray. Omari Cooper or Mark Ingram? Mark Ingram. Okay. So I know exactly what I need to do. What... I need to do this exercise with you one, 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 with one other guy, though. Leonard Fournette or Mark Ingram? Or, I'm, I'm sorry, Leonard Fournette or Carlos Hyde? Fournette. Lamar Miller or Carlos Hyde? You know what you're getting with Miller, Lamar Miller. Wow, so this is a precipitous drop for Carlos Hyde. Allen Robinson or Carlos Hyde? Take my chances with Hyde there. Sammy Watkins or Carlos Hyde? PPR, I'm going to take my chances with Sammy Watkins there. Okay. Well, a little bit of a shuffling there at this, uh, not the, a little bit of shuffling there at the end of the second tier slat, or the end of the third tier, if you don't count the Melvin Gordon tier as a value tier of its own, at the end of the third tier or sort of beginning of a new fourth tier here at the DeMarco Murray, Mark Ingram, Leonard Fournette, Lamar Miller, Carlos Hyde territory, which is commiserate sort of with the 
Sammy Watkins, Allen Robinson, maybe down to a Doug Baldwin territory if you're looking cross-positionally. It's also the area where you might start considering a Rob Gronkowski in an MFL 10. But certainly, I, th- this means we're getting goosey on Carlos Hyde, but here's which the, sucks because I, I have a lot of early exposure to him in my MFL 10s. But here's the thing. MFL 10 is just for this year. So in Dynasty, I'm a lot more worried. MFL 10, I mean, they're not going to cut Carlos Hyde. He's going to probably be healthy. It's just, what's it a matter of of how high they draft a running back? Well, that's I mean, what clearly it's ultimately the biggest adjustments of. to this sheet are going to occur after the draft. Yeah, yeah there's, there's going to be a ton. So, you know, it's time to just, let's bring this thing down closer to ADP, ADP right now. Reduce our exposure to him some. There's still potentially some value here, and I don't think there's any reason to be too alarmed yet unless, unless they peel off a... You know, a, a first or high second round running back. If it's a Deontay Foreman at the top of the second, or Dalvin he's Cook falls all, to the he second, he is or always injured. It's a foot, or this time it's a knee, or before it's been a hip, and then it's like a hamstring. He's and he's leaving. Mark Ingram like, yeah. So something to watch. Another thing to watch: um, Colts running back position, Colts backfield. Frank Gore is a thousand years old. I'm just waiting until when can we finally just kick the dust over his grave? Just kick the dirt over it. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just waiting for it. I mean, I, I like think after this season. I mean, you know how it is. You just you, you put him on the little raft and you set him on fire and you push him into the <laughs> and you push him into the river. That's what they do down on the Ganges in India. Yeah. That's why all they have so many of those huge man killer catfish down there. Because, because they, they ship so many, it's a graveyard corpses. basically down the Ganges River. All those corpses sink, and those catfish just have a field day and grow to monstrous proportions. Well, that's why you don't want to get in the water with yeah, those catfish. They'll suck either. you right down. They're used to they're used to getting you know used to kind of taking down a body with all the bones associated everything. Uh, I think they think it tastes like pork. Robert Turbin slated to get more action. To uh, this is what Chris Ballard, GM Chris Ballard. Basically saying that Robert Turbin is going to be getting more action to help spell Frank Gore this year. I thought Robert, did they re-sign Turbin? I guess so. I guess that was up in the air for a little while. I mean, the whole thing sounds like complete trash to me. I get it. It's Andrew Luck offense. I get that. That's fine. That's That might not be an offense. You have to have a huge investment in the running back position, nor, nor does it maybe have to be a focal point. But this sounds like complete and total trash <laughs> it's like to the me. Wor- one of the worst running back tandems in the whole Robert league. Robert Turbin, Frank Gore. I'll tell you, if it stays like that, Robert Turbin going to be a sneaky guy to own. What about Frank Gore? <laughs> I mean, it's true. I mean, maybe. Oh. We're going to have to see where his ADP is. I want to see what his current I ADP I mean, Robert is. Turbin probably you go undrafted or get him in the last round of your draft. Yeah. You think people have people have gotten circled back at all on Frank Gore because of what happened last year and they finally said throwing their hands up and said, "Well, hey, he's good. We just got to keep drafting him kind of early." The current uh the current redraft ADP on my fantasy league. This isn't MFL 10. This is just full redraft. Uh let's see. Was well, man, it's not in the it doesn't look like it's in the top 100. Hold on. Uh It is it's not in the. It's got to be. It's not in the top one hundred and fifty. It's just crazy. I just can't believe it. Well, if that's the case, Hold then on. you're gonna have to. Let's see if it's in the top two hundred. Gore. One ninety-eight. So you can get him at the very end of drafts. The earliest he's ever gone is pick fifty-seven. 
which is, you know, fit into the fifth round. That's the earliest he's gone in, you know, however many drafts that they've yeah, gone. Yeah, so on I guess Frank Gore, reasonable value once again. Of course. He's going to probably, if you can take him in the 12th or 13th round of your redraft league, but and you get a starting a running back fan, on a prolific offense. As an offense, Andrew Luck fan, I want to see a running back. <laughs> Selected early in this draft hey, by the Colts. Hey, it could be Deontay Foreman. He's he's had his workout with them. Tired of watching Frank Gore. They're gonna and a motley they're gonna offensive line. One. Let's get this thing shaped up, Chris Ballard. They're gonna. Well, the line's getting better. They're making some progress yeah. there. Uh, here, let me go ahead. I want to go ahead and provide. So we gave away the podcast review of the week on the last podcast. It was to Money Sign Isaac. Uh, he won that honor. So right here on this podcast, Isaac, we are refunding you right now. Thank you for emailing us. Um, uh, and we are getting you refunded right now on your most recent charge to your pro account. This is a reminder to all the rest of you to please go into the review sections of iTunes. Give us a five-star review on the on the podcast if you want us to keep doing this. And let us know who your recommendations are for which Offensive rookies, you would like to adorn our Twitter background, our Twitter feed for the 2017 season. We have the only rule is that John Ross has to be right in the middle. We've gotten a few reviews since the last podcast. I saw that our boy, Mantana Sauce. Oh, our boy from Twitter has gone on and reviewed the podcast, longtime well, friend well, of Roster Watch Nation. Perfect. We'll we'll get to the reviews again next week on the first podcast of the week and we will do our reviews of the week remember that the winner of that gets a comped sub at rosterwatch.com where you can get a pro account right now if you don't have one it costs less than a cheap cup of coffee frank gore my goodness that adp you want to get into some of these mayock updated rankings i kind of want to get into my updated running back rankings that's fine i think that the mayock rankings it's just, hey, another thing coming home to roost. We said the whole time, what the hell is Deshaun Kaiser doing as QB1 in his rankings? Dropped it. He's dropped him far now. To four. To what, four. He's, he's got, got Deshaun our Watson at one. Trubisky and Mahomes. Interesting just like to we've see, always said. Really, really interesting to see Mayock get Watson at one. That one surprises me. That's not a typical Mayock. Mayock's a guy that likes a Jay Cutler. He likes a Carson Wentz. He loves a Jay He never Cutler. likes... Yeah. To Deshaun Watson. So I'm very interested. I don't know if he's put him at one because of things he's hearing from inside this. I mean, Mayock is always right down there in, in the it, scouting pit. Yeah, in the pit. Yeah. In the mosh pit. Which basically is, I mean, he's always down there with the scouts in the areas that they sit and they stand to get their times. He's always in the, we called it the pit, but it's like after pro days, when you've been to as many as we do, you just get to know, like, get to know the ins and outs, how these things work. And what happens at the end of everyone before they start their on-field drills is you have about 15 to 20 minutes of downtime because these guys all get in a circle. And in that circle, if you're, if you're one of these pro days where they just where they don't give a shit where you walk or what you're doing, one of these ones where they kind of let you run amok, you can walk up next to that circle and kind of hear what they're saying. And they're just saying, like, for every kid, what the times that they got on him for the, you know, for all the different drills. And they'll be like, all right, so so-and-so. On the 40, like I got a four point, you know, five one, and somebody else is like, I got a four four seven. Somebody else is like, I got a four five four, and somebody else is like, you know, we got a four five two here, blah blah blah. And they say, all right, well, so that, like we're gonna say it was a four five two, and then everybody writes down four five two. Then they go through the stuff, and the, you know, the one guy from the one team reports on his ten yard split. The one guy from the one team, 
who they've assigned to it reports on the 20 yard split. It's basically called the co-op. Like the scouts have a, have a co-op where they share these numbers from pro days. They can all work together and all have one uh, set of numbers to work on. There are only actually a few teams that have the co-op numbers. Plus they keep their own numbers as well. Mike Mayock's updated top five quarterback rankings for the 2017 NFL draft at number one, Clemson quarterback Deshaun Watson. It looks like he has been reading his roster watch and finally gotten on board with what we've known for, Hell, I feel like it's been two years now. We'll see how it actually shakes out in the NFL. At number two, he has Mitch Trubisky. To me, UNC it's not so much about getting Watson one. It's about getting Watson, Trubisky, and Mahomes above Deshaun Kaiser. I just never understood of that number one quarterback is Deshaun Kaiser. I mean, yes, but it's still just crazy that we're considering maybe putting a Patrick Mahomes over a Deshaun Watson. I mean, he has the credentials of a top draft pick. Mayock has finally straightened himself out. At number three, yes, Patrick Mahomes. Four is Kaiser. And then he rounded out his top five with you know, a quarterback we really like, Cal's Davis Webb. Um, I would take Josh Dobbs over Davis Webb. Well, we like Josh Dobbs. I forgot where I was seeing it the other day. Somebody I was respecting, respected was tweeting or maybe broadcasting about Josh Dobbs saying, this is the one guy that's not getting any love or respect <laughs> that's just totally to everybody's sleeping yeah. on and. I mean, you know, it, it's it, there's a long road ahead for these guys to actually materialize into any kind of pro bowler that we can toot our own horns about. But Josh Dobbs is a very intriguing quarterback prospect that that nobody is talking about at all. I mean, his arm, we saw him at home. I mean, Dobbs has a nice arm. I'm yeah. not saying that he can throw it 80 or whatever, but he can spin it with some RPMs. So keep an eye on that. I'm sure that the astute front offices – are as well. Um, let's go into Mayock's top five running backs, and I want to get into my running back rankings here because it brings up, I mentioned it earlier. I mean, let's be fair to Mike Mayock that this is a deep running back class, and there are guys that you really, really like at the running back position as prospects that by default you are forced into ranking as like your number seven or eight guy, and historically that would mean no. that you don't like that running back. Yeah, I know. And it's in gonna- this year's draft, that that doesn't mean that we like that running back. I, I mean, I like so deep. Man. I mean, Kareem Hunt is going to be probably like my nine number eight nine, running back. Yeah. He's a, he's a good good prospect. Um, let's give you Mike Mayox here. And number one, uh, he hasn't gone half cocked like the rest of the industry. He's he's kept it Leonard Fournette rightfully the so the whole time. Leonard Fournette is the it's going to be it the whole big, time. Immediate Pittsburgh rare porterhouse steak <laughs> yep. at the five star restaurant. Do not complain. Order it or send, order do not it send it back. Order it all because often. of the garnish. <laughs> exactly. Number two, he has Christian McCaffrey. I think it's a really, really interesting discussion with McCaffrey because, you know, the ranking here is as a running back. You know, is he really at my top five running back? Yeah. Do I think he's going to be a top five running back selected? Yeah. Do I think that he's a top five in that group as how he'll be used as a weapon? You know, yes. Mayock at two, that's aggressive. That's aggressive. I I mean, certainly as a pure running back, I think that's very hard for me to argue that he's the number two pure running back in this class, but there's a lot of reasons that that you can make this argument. At number three, Mayock has Dalvin Cook out of Florida State. Number four, Alvin Kamara, a guy that I think has some Ryan Matthews to him uh, out of Tennessee. 
And then he has tied at five. So even Mayock, the running back class is so deep that he can't even give you a top five without giving you six guys and calling yeah. fifth place a tie. That's Joe Mixon out of OU and Curtis Samuel, a guy that Alex told you all about on the last podcast out of Ohio State, kind of a wild card player who's really been going through the draft process as a wide receiver, but Mayock ranking as a running back tied there at number five with Joe Mixon. Alex, any thoughts on Mike Mayock's top five? I know you can't believe that he doesn't have Deontay Foreman. In Not him. after the four four five at the at the pro day. Who, I, just, I just don't get it. They like, and he's going to bring up this stuff about the pass protection. And I chart every single play that Texas runs every single year, every single play by every single player. And I think Deontay Foreman allowed only one and a half sacks all season. And people complain about his his pass protection stuff like that. I don't know what Mayock doesn't see in him. Um, I, I know that there's certain, you know, I know he's not a certainly not you know the perfect player. And I know that we're here in Austin, so it seems like you know we're sort of homers about these players that come here from the University of Texas. The fact is that couldn't be further from the from the truth. If you've listened to Roster Watch historically, we've traditionally said that Texas players have been huge pussies. I mean, you know me, very I'm, soft. I mean, I'm almost so, con- considered a uh, an outcast they, as a Longhorn fans. They at just times. hate us I'm around so criti- here. I'm so they critical hate us around of here. The they, they, I mean, they think we are critical to a fault. But there are two guys. It's Malcolm Brown, the defensive tackle, and Deontay Foreman have been the guys recently where you look at him and you say, "Wow, this guy has been a pleasure to watch while he's here. He's a beast." You know, they talk. All they can talk about is how he works so hard. His measurables are off the charts. He's an athletic specimen. He's just he's going to be a great NFL player. I see. I've seen that out of Deontay Foreman the whole time that he's been here. So it, and. And, and analyzing his play and just seeing that P got labeled as a back who was slow and that he was a power back and all that. I said, have you not seen him? Just his ability to break away, to get to the second level and just take it to the house. You know, even with safeties having good angles on him, he just he just burns him. He pulls away. He has a unique pull away speed. And I just think that coupled with his, you know, size, his strength, he's, he has real big hands. He wasn't able to really show it off during college just because of the way that uh, during the year that he was really featured the most under Sterling Gilbert, that was a you know that was a air raid sort of veer raid attack that it was a pound you in the mouth uh, on the inside plays and then spread you out to the outside on wide receiver screens and deep nine you know nine patterns and deep posts like there wasn't really any intermediate passing game to the running backs or you know uh, using the running backs as receivers as, as extensions of the run game so when you we never got to see Deontay Foreman's hands the fact of the matter is he grew up I mean his brother is a sick wide receiver who's a little bit, bit even faster than Deontay and Armani Foreman and those guys I mean I think that Deontay was like kind of a receiver growing up too and those, like, well it's funny when they, I tweeted they're, they're that always, out when I tweeted that out like Josh Norris retweeted us he was like yeah my brother's like a rocket scientist what well, doesn't uh, well, make I me, saw Josh well, say that but but, but, here, but here's the thing my brother's an attorney and we're actually a lot alike well and it, but is here's the thing and the yeah. truth is you grow it, you have two brothers it doesn't matter you grow up throwing the damn football around you go outside and you throw the football you run routes you throw it you catch it like catching the football to him is just natural and so at that pro day whenever he's out there running routes he doesn't drop a football he frames it well he like he 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 sees the ball in he gets up field quickly after he catches it he looks just like a derrick henry looked at his or a leonard fournette as far as the ability to catch the football and people still don't with any of those guys people still don't realize they have the ability to do it just because that wasn't the way that they were featured back in college but the fact of the matter with Deontay Foreman is he can catch the football as as well he has big hands he has soft hands he has natural hands so I mean for me if we're looking at my running back rankings compared to Mayox 
The obvious monster difference is the fact that I have Deontay Foreman as the, my number two running back, and he had, doesn't even have him included in his top six. Well, who wasn't at Deontay Foreman's pro day? <laughs> Mayock? Mike Mayock. Of course, and rightfully so. There's hard, It's been a pitiful run of pro days here, and he's got a busy pro day schedule, and I'm sure there was... Was he at A&M the day before? Was he at A&M the day before? Yeah, oh yeah, he was at A&M for Miles Garrett. Yeah, and so there was just some bigger, bigger, uh, more compelling pro days that he needed to be at, but he wasn't there. And what do we say all the time about this draft process is it's truly about when you're stacking your board, when you're making your rankings, when these teams are making their decisions on who to select, it's about the amount of information you have on these players. And the fact is, I just don't think Mike Mayock has much information or much exposure on Deontay Foreman. And a lot of people don't because this has been such a poor and undersold program uh, the last few years. It just hasn't been on people's radars. They haven't gotten the exposure. So I think it's a lack of information, a lack of exposure. And this is where we're able to fill in the gaps uh, by being close to this situation. And I I think it's interesting that you mentioned, um, I actually had the same conversation with Loiko last night, uh, Mike Loiko on the phone, our, our good friend and NFL draft uh, expert and Patriots insider, I had the exact discussion with him about this being a Malcolm Brown with the Deontay Foreman. It's very much, it feels very, very the same. These are really, really good players that just because of they're coming from Texas just aren't on people's radars and they, for whatever reason, don't have as much information on them or as high of a comfort level. Um so to me, it's just it's shaping up as a situation where somebody's going to get a really nice value on Foreman. I've come back to the conclusion, kind of like what you, you just mentioned, the comp. I feel he's very Derrick Henry-ish. Derek Henry-ish. I think that's ultimately going to be my comp for Foreman is Derrick Henry. I don't think it's a perfect comp, but I, I think it's a lot of the same complaints, and I think there's a lot of similar characteristics there. And what we know is that's that's a guy that with any kind of volume can be is going to be a really, really nice player if he ends up, you know, in the right situation and gets the opportunity. And certainly I'm going to prefer him behind, um, you know, an offensive line who can, who can move people a little bit and I, open I, the holes. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily like the Derek, the Derek Henry comp because I feel like his, I just feel like his running style is a little different. Yeah. It's not I, it a just, perfect It comp. doesn't really remind hard, me of there's it. Hard, it's it's kinda, hard to come up with a comp for, Foreman, well, like I said, I, I mean, I like the comp that Lance Zerline had at the very beginning with Jonathan Stewart. I think it's a pretty good. Yeah, comp. that one's pretty. I think good. it's. I think it's Stewart's pretty, pretty good. It's pretty fair. Just just with with the way he moves, his hips, his more of his shed ability, kind of through the line of scrimmage, really than raw run you over power. Uh, that coupled with a little with some good top end speed. I mean, I kind that's I kinda a pretty like good that. one. That's a pretty good one. Well, what I tell you last night when I was texting with you is. You know, I think it's legitimate. You know, people argue that Foreman, he's not as powerful as he should be for his size. So, you know, I think it's fair assessment that he doesn't have as much pop on contact. He doesn't truck people. He doesn't just flatten people, as you might expect. But on the other hand, he's a really, really, really tough guy to bring down and drag down uh, when he's pumping his feet. And he's a guy that clearly, go watch the OU tape, go watch any of them. As the game goes on, gets harder and harder to bring down and gets stronger and stronger. And, you know, that is, that's what you like to see out of your running backs. You know, I just did a write-up on uh, Samaje Pirine that Alex published to the site. And he's actually right here out of our backyard as well. And Another player I really, really, really like and actually has some traits, 
in a similar, you know, he's going to be one of the guys kind of compared to Foreman because their size and their weight. You know, I think there's some traits that Pirine have that are that are better than Foreman's, but in the end, they're not existentially better. And Foreman's speed is just too, too much better than Pirine's. Too much it's better. It's too, too much better. And you can't discount. We're talking about a league where you need big chunk plays, the home runs, things that flip field position. Um, Foreman is going to be able to do that for you at the next level. And so for me, ultimately, I'm going to settle. I'm going to end up, when I went through and curated my rankings last night, Deontay Foreman is going to be my number two running back in this draft class. There's a strong argument between Foreman, Joe Mixon, and Dalvin Cook. And Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, I don't find it as compelling if I'm looking at just pure running back. I just don't see McCaffrey as a guy who's ever going to be able to carry a load for any any yeah, long just, term just, in his career. I think, I think these other the, guys can. I just think he's just in the same yeah. way as a Curtis Samuel. I mean, I think he's a. I mean, that's a guy who Mayock is saying he projects as a running back. I just project the same thing for. I mean, we're projecting right now Curtis Samuel as a wide receiver just because that's all we've known. That's all we've been told. That's how he worked out at the combine. That's how the listing was provided to us by the NFL at the combine. Those are the drills that we, you know, watched him participate in. So I don't know. I I said in my write-up of Curtis Samuel, though, a team could end up drafting him and think he's going to be some kind of Theo Riddick blend of Theo Riddick and a Golden Tate, which could kind of be a pretty sick player. But I'm not sure if that's what they're doing. They're drafting him as a wide receiver, drafting him as a runner wide receiver. I think with Christian McCaffrey, you can draft him as a runner and then on passing downs, just, you know, motion him out to the, you know, motion him out to the flexed out wide. Yeah. I have a hard time reconciling it. I mean, I think as a player, he ranks very high. When I look at him, when I'm trying to rank just running backs, he's not, as he just doesn't not going to end up as high for me. I mean, I don't really get ex- that excited about a Reggie Bush. I know, you know, we said it on the last podcast teams draft for need and, and a role and, he fills a very specific role that could be extremely dynamic and, you know, fairly nuclear in the NFL. So I get all the reason to love Christian McCaffrey, but I'm looking at running backs. I'm thinking about guys who I can hand the rock off for years to come that can carry some kind of load. So for me, it's you can argue Mixon or Cook over Foreman. You, you certainly can, and I think you can really, truly on talent, Joe Mixon is the number two running back in this class, but you have to take other things into consideration. Take it all into consideration. You have to take other things into consideration here. It all matters. Deontay Foreman is a wonderful, wonderful kid. We have no concerns uh, about as he's going to transition to an NFL locker room and to an NFL team. So I'm going to split the difference there. For me, it's Fournette at one, Foreman at two. So that means somebody's going to get a steal on Foreman if he goes much later than that. Mixon is my number three. I've got Dalvin Cook at four. Dalvin Cook primarily, you know, it's tough to put him behind those guys. Cook was amazing at Florida State. He's got the entourage, a little bit of the character questions, and just the athletic testing has been substandard. And just for it's Cook, and, and, and he might overcome it. It might We might look back and say, oh, that was pure folly. But the fact is it's created some questions that I don't have about Foreman, really, or Mixon. The one question that Dalvin Cook answered for me during this draft process is that he's big, he's bigger and stronger and stouter and thicker than I, than, than I thought he was. And he showed it on his bench press testing. It's the one test that he did, he did well at. But while he was there, and we just had the opportunity for him like, to kind of just there, and then also on the podium, too, just having the opportunity for the, for the guy to like, just to be standing kind of next to the guy, you see that he's a bigger, stronger, thicker guy than you would think watching the highlight tapes where he's, where he's just, you know, he's blazing down the sidelines so fast. 
big, big part of me wants to put Samaj P. Ryan as my number five. Because no, I'll, I mean, it's as, hard. As a, as a running, I, as a it, running it looks back. like you and I both have him at six. So I'll go over my top five. Mine goes Leonard Fournette, Deontay Foreman, Christian McCaffrey, Joe Mixon, Dalvin Cook. So just I like McCaffrey a little bit better than Byron. I, I, I have a little more faith in him. And I'm, I'm just beginning to I'm, – I'm, I'm getting warmer and warmer on him as I continue – for some reason, I just continue to watch more and more Christian McCaffrey. Well, he's awesome. So He's awesome. Um, I want to put P. Ryan over McCaffrey, truly, as a running back prospect. I've had a hard time doing it, so I've left McCaffrey at five and put P. Ryan right there at six, and it kills you to put Alvin Kamara as your seven running back. Yeah, but it's what I've, it's what I've, uh, it's what I've had to do. It's what I've come to as well. You and I both came to as well. Doing this completely separately, it looks like we both have then Kareem Hunt at number eight, and that's just a... That's just a tough pill to swallow that a guy that you love as much as a Kareem Hunt, you know, an all an all senior bowler like him, you know, you, you can't get him up any higher than eight. And then the one that could really come back to bite us, I mean, Wayne Gallman, Jamal Williams, these are good prospects. You got to say, you know, these Corey guys Clement. On the he's going to be our number 10 running back. He's a heck of a prospect. A heck of a prospect. So, yeah, a, a super, super deep class of runners this year. Like we always say, whether you, I mean, if you're, we know we have a lot of NFL fans and NFL draft fans who aren't necessarily fo- fo- fantasy football players who listen to this podcast. So, if you're just listening to this and you're like rooting for your team to get a good running back, your team's going to get a good running back if there's a need. <laughs> like one of these guys, you're going to, I mean, how happy would you be, Byron, if your favorite team needed a running back and they got Jamal Williams in the fourth? Yeah, it'd be unbelievable. You feel like it automatically sort of changes the landscape of, of your running back position. Oh, I'm there, trying to forget. There was somebody talking about Kareem Hunt that I just thought was going to be an unbelievable fit that was getting floated just yesterday. I'm trying to see if I can find this here. <laughs> okay. uh, see if it's come up. But, yeah, I mean, that's the kind of guy you're going to get on day. It's a lot of these guys you're going to get on early day three. Yeah. And these are guys who are going to play this year. Yeah, immediately. Eagles work out Kareem Hunt. I'd like that. Vikings have had Kareem Hunt in. He'd help all those teams. The Vikings should be poking around a Kareem Hunt. Yeah, he'd help. All Eagles those should teams. be poking around a Kareem Hunt. I like that. I think he. I think Kareem Hunt could go day two. If he does, we're going to see a big concentration of running backs going. Yeah, go he, in he's two one of the three. ones that I think is going to go a little earlier than maybe we have him ranked. And again, we love him. It's just hard, man. It's just really hard. Well, but you think about it. How many of these guys, this is what makes this so special, as I was thinking about it today, that if you tell me, like, and this is where we got, we've got such a huge edge, Roster Watch Nation, like, two, like say, two or three years from now, right, there's going to be some injury or some circumstantial thing where somebody gets thrust into a big starting role, and it's going to be a Corey Clement, an Alvin Kamara, a Jamal Williams, a, a, a Kareem Hunt. It's going to be a P. Ryan. It's going to be, like, six or seven of these different guys, your league mates are going to be like, oh, man, I don't know much about him. I haven't really heard much about him. Heck, this might even happen this year. They're, they're, gonna, and they're, they're just not going to be sure if they can get him in in their fantasy leagues. And we're going to be saying, Corey Clement, 20 touches, get, get him, him in. in. <laughs> Kareem Hunt, 20 touches, get him in. Jamal yeah. Williams, I'm Samaj P. Ryan, we're going to find out any of these guys getting 20 touches this year. We're going to be all in. Fine, fine. Well, speaking of being all in with 20 touches, let's say we find out that, let's just say we find out that Samaj P. Ryan in the draft goes to the Oakland Raiders who have not signed Marshawn Lynch. I think it's a good fit. 
if it, I think if, he's if a good. That, if that happens, you were talking about him as like the number six, you know, running back on our list just for pre NFL draft, just on based on talent, how they are as a oh, prospect. he'll vault to the top. It's like he's almost like at that point he'd be a top two in the running back. Like you just have. To I want to be careful. We're point. not sleeping on like an Arian Foster here with P Ryan. I mean, I'm, I say sleeping. We really like him. The guy is freaking good. There was a lot to like. There's I had a lot, a lot of pretty like. good comps with him there. If he ends up behind that Raiders offensive line, we're also seeing P. Ryan being discussed. Uh, I mean, I've seen him floated on draft Twitter as a um, uh, backfield mate with Paul Perkins in New York. That would be an all-roster watch backfield. Of Paul sure Perkins, Samaj P. Ryan backfield. And that's what, again, to anybody else, that's going to sound like a lackluster, weird backfield situation. Yeah. We're telling you, don't, hey, don't be scared at all. Let's get fired up about this. Let's get these guys in and have a sneak attack on our opponents this year. I also particularly think, and Loiko agreed, Samaj P. Ryan would be an unbelievable New England Patriot. They just, I mean, how can they keep, they're just. Joe James White is about to be out. Bolden's future's true. up. White's about to be and out. we know no, that Belichick is out here. You know, Garrett Blunt is, out, if he gets runners. signed, Loiko says it's going to be a one-year deal max. I mean, P. Ryan is a, would be a nice player to get in there with a Rex Burkhead and a James White and a Deion Lewis. Boy, that, he, that would be a really nice fit, man, in New England. Not necessarily for our fantasy fortunes. I just found it. Kareem Hunt visited with the Atlanta Falcons yesterday. That's the one that I thought was weird. Yeah. But I said, weird. man, that's a nice backfield. And that's them prepping for this Devontae Freeman it's going to be something. confrontation that's about to come to a head. Well, or not come to a head, but about to start well, to surface. It sure would be a nice bargaining chip for whenever he comes to the table. So, and I, I, I talked to the to the trash man about this. So uh, on the SiriusXM radio program. Um, oh, by the way, we ought to give an update on the SiriusXM stuff. It looks like we're it looks like we're trying to get something worked out to where we might be able to do it remotely, but we're going to miss at least a few weeks. Probably. Yeah, that looks like the situation. We're working on it. Okay. Uh, but so I talked about it on the Sirius XM show the last week, whenever you had missed it, but Trashman was on. And he couldn't believe that Devontae Freeman was going to be asking for more money than LaShawn McCoy got. And I said, You're crazy. He's going to ask for, he's, he's not going to, like, if, if you look at what Spot Rack says, uh, they say that his market value is $10.1 million a year. I said, I don't think he's going to get $10 million a year, but I think he's going to ask for just under what Le'Veon Bell probably will ask for, right there around $10 million, and probably ask for about $9 million a year, probably $5 million a year or so guaranteed. Four-year deal, 20, 20 to $25 million guaranteed, but have it be like a forty, you know, $36 million, no, probably $36 million deal, something like that with about twenty guaranteed. I think the trashman always asks for too much money. The trashman was saying that that's way too much. Yeah, I, I, well, trashman always asks for way too much. <laughs> no, I also think Brandon Wilds is another guy there in Atlanta that was an interesting draft pick in that backfield. I wonder, totally different player than any of these guys. A big power back. Going to have to do some snooping around on him as well. Yeah. But so, but what about what about Devontae Freeman? What do you think he deserves to get paid more than Doug Martin? Right? We've already talked about that. Yeah, I thought y'all had the discussion, but you and I had already decided we think this is Lashawn McCoy money. Okay. I so, mean, yeah. period. Period. Well, what do you think? Wide receiver rankings on the next podcast. Wide receiver rankings on the next podcast. This brings episode 16 of the Roster Watch podcast to an end. It has been brought to you by rosterwatch.com. Go to rosterwatch.com, get a pro membership. It costs less than a cheap cup of coffee. We're so glad to be welcoming aboard so many me new members of Roster Watch Nation. Please give us a five star rating and a good review on iTunes. 
Until next time, for Byron Lambert, I am Alex Dunlap. We will see you next time.